Welcome to So What Else. My name is Caitlin Elliott and I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories, the big important things they've been through, and also the random stuff. We're going to talk about it all here. This podcast is just me talking with fascinating people so that we can all hear what they have to share with the world. So what else? Growing up, I never had any understanding of miscarriages or fertility struggles, but as I got older, I started to slowly realize how many women are impacted by it. Today, I talked to two of my best friends who have dealt with both miscarriage and fertility struggles. It's a powerful conversation, but we are talking about pregnancy, miscarriage, fertility struggles, so if you have little ears in the room, pop in those headphones, or if this is a sensitive topic for you, feel free to skip this week. I promise I won't be offended. Love you guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of So What Else. I'm here with two of my best friends, Amy and Lisa. Say hi to everybody. Hey. So take a second and just introduce yourselves. Amy, you go first. (laughs) Uh, My name is Amy Brunk, and I'm married to a wonderful man named Matt. And we're both teachers. He teaches eighth grade. I teach second grade. And we have three really quite wonderful children, Michael, Boston, and William. And I think that's all. Oh, we live in Colorado. I'm from Arizona originally. And that's it. Beautiful. Lisa, how about you? Who are you? I'm Lisa, and I am also a teacher. I teach first grade. And my husband, Nick, is a police officer (laughs) in Denver. And we have two boys, Blaine, who's eight, and Colton, who is six. I love it. I love it. So as everyone can tell, we're all teachers. So that is how we know each other. So for people who don't know, I am like New Jersey girl born and raised and all of that. But I did live in Colorado for four years. And during that time, I taught with these lovely ladies and we've been friends ever since. So I think I got hired at Centennial Elementary School in Colorado Springs in 2011 if that could be true. And Lisa, you were already a teacher there. So I was teaching fifth grade, you were teaching first grade, but like, did we even talk to each other that first year that I worked there? I feel like hardly at all. (laughs) I don't think we did until Amy came. Yeah. Like, I don't even know why. I feel like we were just like, Hey, in the hallway. That was it. Like, I don't really feel like we ever spoke. And then Amy, when did you come the next year Mm -mm. or two years, two years later? So like I started in 2013. Okay, so then Amy came, but I already knew Amy a little bit, and you guys also knew each other. So that's how we kind of like, like you guys knew each other because Lisa, you were friends with Amy's husband, Matt, right? And so then, and I knew you, Amy, because we both did Teach for America. So for people who don't know, Teach for America is like, wait, I should know the the mission statement. What is it? Until all... Oh, shoot. This is embarrassing. <laughs> Until all children have a equal education. What am I saying? Equal opportunities. Something, something about an equal education for all kids. <laughs> <laughs> We're obviously like really good. Caitlin, you should have like told members. me to look that up ahead How of How did I not on. prep that? I should have. Go- I should have looked that up. I think Lisa's Googling it. I suck. I'm yeah. sorry. Anyway, we did Teach for America, which is this program that like places teachers in like Title I schools, meaning like a a high percentage of like free and reduced lunch, like low income families, like, right? Yeah. Am I I explaining this well? I don't know what 
you thought, Caitlin, but dude, it was so intense for me. It was like yeah. very intense. I was like five or six years older than like everybody doing it. It was, which is like, not that it doesn't feel or it doesn't seem like it would be that big of a deal. But when everyone is like fresh out of college and yeah. then like, I'm like five or six years out of college, I'm married and have, I don't have kids yet, but like we have a dog and like yeah. stuff like that. Like I have other commitments that like are- You had a house? Yeah, we have a house and stuff like that. And so it was like very weird for me to like be a part of it when I felt like I was in a kind of a different life stage than like 99% of the other core members in Colorado. Like I was, it was, it was a weird experience. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was intense. Like I was one of those people that was fresh out of college. So I remember when I met you and you were like, I have a husband like, and I was like, oh my goodness. Like, cause we had to go to Arizona over the summer for like, yes. What was it? Six weeks or something. something It was, I mean, torture personally, some people like it. What's it called? It's called something Institute. Some people like the summer training. I was like actually miserable. And I remember I like you. Sorry, go ahead. No, did you cry? I cried many nights. I cried almost every single night, like to Matt, to my mom, like beyond never would listen. <laughs> Me too. I was like one night I was like, I swear I'm leaving. I promise. Like I am leaving. This is like, I can't do this. This is not worth it. Yeah. No. And it's like, you had a husband at home. I can't even imagine, but whatever. We survived Institute. Then we did two years of teach for America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we were both at Centennial. We were there with Lisa. And I then, do feel that Teach for America did a good job training us though, like and oh. us to be in the classroom, like even more than, I mean, a lot of people that I taught with, like, I know that you had your undergrad in education, but like I didn't, mine was mm-hmm. in communication studies and stuff like that. And so I do feel like Teach for America prepared me well to be a teacher in the classroom. And then like the ongoing training, the ongoing people in your classroom, watching you, giving you advice and like just kind of helping you become better week in and week out you know it's like I I guess I felt like after one year of teaching I was a better teacher than and I don't mean this in an arrogant way but you know a better teacher than like some people are like in their first like several years of teaching just because we had that constant kind of I mean somebody watching us and telling us you need to do this better you need to do this better you're doing this this and this well Mm -hmm. but change this, this, and this, you know what I mean? I cannot agree more. Like, was it a very intense, very stressful experience? Yes. But it really like made us into like good Mm -hmm. teachers. I think like I learned more in my time, like at Institute or in my first few months teaching than I did like in my whole college experience. You know what I mean? Because like, you're right. There's so much feedback. It's like, this, 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 because something that they drill into you, which is true, is like, hey, in this situation, like these schools that you're going to be in, the stakes are really high. Like these kids mm-hmm. can't afford to have a year where they have a teacher that's like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And like, mm-hmm. uh, like you have to be on it and like studying the data and like making sure that everybody is like getting what they need. Like the stakes are super high. So I feel like while it was an incredibly intense experience, I wouldn't change it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, and I loved my time at Centennial, like Mm -hmm. working just like our principals were so good and just we had each other and it was wonderful. And sometimes do you guys remember when we all worked there and after school, we would work out together. We would do the CrossFit workouts (laughs) like in the gym and in our classroom. Yes. Yes. 
and that one day some really interesting conversations about noses oh my gosh and then I remember that one day we were doing like a thousand burpees and we're like doing them on the floor and Lisa was like by the way like a kid did pee in here today on the floor and I was like I actually hate you like are you and I'm like did I touch it like uh, like but it was crazy but that was fun see it's like we would teach all day then we'd quickly change go into the gym or in one of our classrooms and do a workout and go home Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh my gosh and then we all did bunko together. Lisa, I feel like you got us into bunko, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it was really fun when you guys were there. It was so fun, bunko. It was like we had dinner. It was like all the teachers, like it was mostly centennial teachers. It was kind of a secluded group, 12 teachers. Yeah, mm. it was fun. Was it like elite? Was it a, like, did we leave people out on purpose? I don't think so. I just remember yeah. I wanted to be invited to it and I wasn't for the first three years. And I was I got invited. Super. I was stoked. <laughs> Do you know that I remember to this day when like Sarah Morgan came up to me in the hallway and she was like, hey, can I talk to you? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, would you want to be in the Bunko group? And I was like, oh my God, like I've made it. They asked me. <laughs> yeah. oh they like me. They really <laughs> like me. And Sarah Morgan was like so intimidating. You're probably like, oh crap, what does she want? Right. Like I was like, what is she about to say to me? And she's like, do you want to do Bunko? And I was like, yes, anything you say, I will do. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I love it. And then Amy and I moved from Centennial to a school in Castle Rock, which was like the opposite of like socioeconomic status, basically. Like it was just like a way different crew and day different and night and day in terms of like almost the expectations the accountability mm -hmm. yeah the, everything was different like everything, everything about it was different it was so different yeah and now but we're all for me a very lovely experience yes no me too absolutely like all my teaching experiences have been so different and i don't think i can pick a favorite you know what i mean it's like they all like are great in different ways and hard in different ways. But we're all still teachers today, but in very different types of settings. So I'm still a teacher, but I just work two days a week as a basic skills teacher. Lisa, your job is maybe the most interesting. Explain. I work at a homeschool academy, so the kids only come to me one day a week for enrichment. So you work Okay, so do you so they come in for enrichment and you're with them a full day and then do you send them home with work or they have their own curriculum that they follow? No, their their parent is the teacher. So essentially I just do extra fun activities and then they go home and then I see them the next week. So I only work two days a week, which is nice. So do you do testing and stuff with them or it's literally just like this is fun? No testing, uh, no progress monitoring, none of that. That's really good really and bad. Nice. That's nice. But, yeah. And you love it. Yes. I love that. Amy, what are you doing? Uh, I teach online for a school called Branson School Online. <clears throat> and I have like a class full of second graders whom I just adore. So you taught there before COVID because, okay, now it's not weird for people to hear the term like online school or whatever, because it's like everyone has now done that to some like degree, but you were doing that before COVID. So what was the situation? It was basically like kind of a version of homeschool, like parents who were just like, hey, my kid learns better at home. We're gonna enroll them in this online school. Well, there's, it's kind of a mixture of kiddos, I would say. So like 
there are some kids whose parents are maybe in the military. And so they get moved around from like, you know, area to area, state to state, whatever. I actually have a kid. Well, I don't have him anymore, but I had him my first year who was in China, his oh. parents were military. Um, and they just like, a lot, I mean, it's kind of, I, I don't, I hesitate to say this, but um, a lot of times people are not satisfied with like schools on military bases and things yeah. like that. So um, <clears throat> we have some kiddos who are military who just mm-hmm. kind of want that stability and consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some kiddos who's um, like, I actually have a lot of kiddos who are Jehovah's witness in my class. And so mm-hmm. it's really hard to be a Jeho- Jehovah's witness kiddo in a public school because there are so many like things celebrated. There are birthdays every week or yeah. some holiday that's being celebrated. And I remember, I feel guilty about it now, but I remember being a teacher in a classroom and being like, almost like annoyed with like students mm-hmm. who were Jehovah's Witness because I'm like dude come on just let your kids celebrate Halloween with us now right. I have to come up with all these extra activities for them like and I feel so bad that I had that attitude and mentality now but um like it's it's like parents who just like want the best for their kids you know yeah. and, and in their mind the best is to protect them and kind of like shelter them from that experience and I can kind of see why knowing what my mentality was you know yeah other kids wanting to like make fun of them or be like why don't mm-hmm. you believe in this like why don't you celebrate your birthday and that kind of thing so I'd say like probably 50% of my students are Jehovah's Witness wow. um and then we have just people who want like more flexibility in their schedule like mm-hmm. maybe they're an athlete that has like swimming or mm-hmm. ice skating or gymnastics that they're like very into mm-hmm. and this allows flexibility for them to travel and do other things. And then we do get like a handful of students too, who are just like, how do you say this? Troubled students, people who've mm-hmm. gotten into a lot of like, not mm-hmm. just academic trouble, but um, behavioral trouble, trouble yeah. things like that. And so they've been like expelled from their school for fighting. And this is oh. kind of like the last option of like, what do we do with my kid? And that's yeah. Anyways, yeah, we've been doing, I've been doing this now. This is my third year and I appreciate this job because it allows me a lot, <laughs> Lisa's laughing at me, <laughs> it allows me a lot more time at home with my kiddos. And so yeah. like, I only have to get a babysitter Monday through Thursday mm-hmm. from like eight to noon. And then That's nice. yeah. when my kids come home and nap, then I keep working and then I work after they go to bed usually. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're amazing. You have three little kids and you're working full time. That is a lot. But it is kind of crazy that you were doing that before COVID. So then once COVID hit and everything was crazy, like for you, nothing changed. Like everything was exactly the same. You know what I mean? While every other teacher was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Yeah. Like you were like, this is what I do like Mm -hmm. all the time. So that's kind of nice that you didn't even have to like miss a beat. Right. Totally. Lisa, what happened for you guys during COVID? The kids just didn't come in. Did you meet with them online? No, they just didn't come in. So we just had a really long break. (laughs) Wow. You just still got paid. That is, (laughs) I am so jealous. (laughs) But my boys were home. So I was either. So it wasn't like a break for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's just, it's different teaching your, I'm a teacher and it's hard teaching my boys when they're home and they're like, 
I can go play video games or I want to go outside and play on the trampoline or I can, you know. Oh, it's so different with your own kid. Are you kidding me? Like I didn't send Jace to preschool this year, even though like she could have gone to like preschool three or whatever, um, because I was like, ugh, all this COVID stuff. I'm afraid that they're going to end up like canceling school anyway, that it's like, what's the point? Like I was like, I'm a teacher. Hello. I'll just work with her at home. It is so hard to work with your own kid. I like had this like beautiful picture in my mind of like we're gonna bond like and Emerson (laughs) will go down for a nap and like Jace and I will sit with this like preschool book that I printed off of Etsy and it's gonna be so cute and rewarding Uh, no it's not cute or rewarding or anything and like I think we're only on like the letter G and like what month is it it's March I'm like forget it I'm like you'll just your teacher will teach you next year it's fine I can't do it I give up it's hard and what grade is Blaine in Blaine's in second grade so he was like doing legitimate school and you had to like legitimately monitor he's a little he's a little um higher than the rest of his class so So he was bored challenge him because I've never taught above first grade but Colton is the opposite Colton was going into kindergarten a little behind so but he's caught up I think I think so but yeah, all kids are just so different. And see, it just goes to show your children were raised in the same house. They have the same DNA. It's just like kids are just different and everybody learns at a different pace. And we just love everybody. Mm-hmm. So something that I did want to have you guys on here to talk about is that <laughs> you have both experienced some like really crazy, just like infertility miscarriages stuff like that and these things happened like mostly during the time that I was living out in Colorado and was near you guys like so I saw a lot of it up close and personally and um you know I was like the last to get married out of the three of us and like um wasn't like at a point in my life yet where I was like trying to have a baby so it was very like new for me like the stuff that you guys you know were going through and I just felt like it was you know, in reflecting back now that I have two kids reflecting back on that, I've always, you know, thought of you guys and how what you've gone through and just like your story. And so I feel like it's something that's powerful to share with other people, because I think this is something that a lot of women share. And it's sometimes not talked about as much as like it should be. So I would love to hear about that um, from you guys. So like Lisa, let's start with you. So I know that you experienced a miscarriage can you kind of like tell everybody when that happened you know what what's the story there yeah so um just a little background with Blaine this doesn't seem like a very long time in the grand scheme of things when I hear other people's stories but Mm -hmm. we had been trying for over a year Mm. um tracking everything and I went to the doctor and I just remember she was like you might be infertile and I was like oh my gosh I just remember going out to the parking lot and sobbing I didn't know it at the time I was sobbing that I was pregnant with Blaine my oldest um (laughs) she took my blood work and she kept calling me the whole month after and I didn't answer the phone (laughs) what I was so irregular that I was like, I could just, never get pregnant. I, I just didn't want to go back in and hear the news that I was infertile, but I was pregnant. Oh my gosh. So you weren't even taking a test at home. So like you, for a month, no. were walking around pregnant and had no idea. And you thought you were infertile. Yeah. yeah. I just remember on my birthday, 
<laughs> late January, my doctor appointment was in December and she told me that in late January, I was like, I feel so sick. I want peanut butter M&Ms. Oh my gosh. Tacos. Disgusting. And Nick was like, I think you're pregnant. I was like, there's oh no way. Oh my gosh. And I was. Um, so yeah, so I had Blaine That's and then insane. after Blaine, I was like, I'm just not going to go on birth control because it was just hard to get pregnant, you know? Yeah. So I didn't. And Blaine was almost, mm, no, he was a little bit over, he was like almost one okay. and I found out I was pregnant mm-hmm. and then, um, let's see, I went and I, I just remember we went to our first ultrasound and everything was fine. I heard the heartbeat. Um, saw the little bean on the screen and everything was fine. Um, and then probably like, yeah, it was about four because I miscarried around 14 weeks. So mm-hmm. I remember going to a Christmas party and my aunt was like, you don't look pregnant. You don't seem pregnant. And I was like, that's because I'm past 12 weeks. And mm-hmm. I had no idea, um, that the baby had like already died. So, um, it was two days before Christmas. Oh. I mean, I won't get into like details, <laughs> but there was like um, spotting and I was like, something's wrong. And everyone's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And um, just later that day, there was just a lot of blood. And so Nick um, took me in and it was like, they were like, well, we don't know what's happening. So I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what's happening, but um, uh, I get a little emotional when I think about it. But I just remember they gave me an ultrasound and Nick was like, don't look at the screen. And I've only seen Nick cry maybe twice. And Nick just started sobbing. Oh. And I started sobbing because without anyone telling me, I just knew yeah. it was gone, you know? So, um, yeah, it was. So yeah. you were past because for anybody. Okay. So if anybody's listening to this and doesn't know this, like kind of the rule of thumb is like, if you make it to 12 weeks, like you're probably in the clear. I feel like that's kind of like understood mm-hmm. that's not like a hard and fast rule but that's like ish yeah. so you were 14 weeks so you were in your mind like hey I'm good like I made it through the first trimester like I'm good yeah that's what I thought so it's just oh. I, I mean I don't know when the when it when the baby died yeah either. I saw the ultrasound around it was around I think nine weeks because the doctor's office was pushed back and that's when I heard the heartbeat and everything was fine and then when I started bleeding, it was around 14 weeks. So, so what was that like for you? Like emotionally? So it's like, okay, they tell you, I'm sorry. Like the baby is, didn't make it. Like you can go home now. Like, what was that like for you going home? Well, we were at the ER for a really long time and I was so embarrassed because it was the doctor saw my shirt. It was a high school shirt. And he's like, my son goes there. I was like, Oh my gosh, <sighs> in my class. And dad's like checking me out. I'm not. Uh, no, like, I know. You know. Yes. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> so, um, girl, I just remember I came home and Nick and I were supposed to have an overnight date night. And my mom, um, just kept playing. I couldn't, I didn't want to get out of bed for like two days. My mom had to like come over and drag me out of bed. Aww. Like I just felt like that sad and I was like how can yeah. I be this sad with something I've never and I mean I learned a lot because prior to having a miscarriage I was like oh you never met the baby mm-hmm. you know and now mm-hmm. I have a totally different viewpoint I just think it's devastating mm-hmm. um yeah I I went back the day after Christmas they gave me a pill to help the pain mm-hmm. and I passed everything on Christmas day in the middle of the night and then Ugh. the day after Christmas I went in to get a DNC 
oh. but I didn't need it because I had already passed everything. So yeah, I, <sighs> yeah, my mom and you guys were, um, I didn't want to talk about it to anyone. So I was, mm-hmm. I don't know if embarrassed is the right word, but I mean, no one really talks about it now that as I've gotten older and more people do, but I just felt at the time, like no one really talked about things like that. Right. I don't know. I never really was, I don't know. So you were so sweet. I don't know. Do you remember coming into my room at school when Christmas break started? Do you remember that? You and Amy came in back and I just started sobbing and I was like, you know, it had been a couple weeks, but it was, I cried a lot. So. Well, I love what you said about, like you said, before I had a miscarriage, I just kind of thought like, oh, okay, like that's sad, but like you never met the baby. So like not a big deal. And then you went through it and now obviously you have like a completely different perspective on it. Oh yeah. It was a huge learning. I mean, not just with miscarriages, but with everything in life until you've gone through it yourself, it's Mm -hmm. really shouldn't judge it, you know, because it was Mm -hmm. really hard. I didn't think a miscarriage would be that hard and it was just. I was depressed for several months after it was hard. Hmm. So when you were kind of dealing with the depression of that, how did Nick take the news? I mean, obviously you told us that he was sobbing in the ER, but like moving past that, like when you're stuck in bed, like how did he react to it? He was really supportive, but I don't, it it was just a little different for him. Um, I never looked on the screen, which I'm glad Mm -hmm. I didn't. So I think for me, I'm carrying the baby and I'm the one that's pregnant, but and it's still his child, but I think for men, it's just a little bit different. I, mm-hmm. I honestly don't think it would have hit him that hard if he hadn't looked at the screen mm-hmm. to see that it was just like no heartbeat, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, that hit home for him a little more. Mm-hmm. He was really supportive though. He took time mm-hmm. off work and um, I mean, as best as he could, you know, yeah. be there for me. What was it like dealing? Cause you said you had a one-year-old at the time. Like how did you function as a mom? while you were going through that like a bad mom because for two days I didn't want to get out of bed yeah like you still have another kid to take care of like you can do this and Mm -hmm. after a few weeks it I mean with time it it got better I'd still like Mm -hmm. cry about it and stuff Mm -hmm. but I was like I need to function for Blaine and be a good mom for him you know Mm -hmm. so yeah so did you like immediately want to try again like as soon as the doctor gave you the okay were you like let's try again or were you like no I'm scared um both (laughs) yeah it ended up being a blessing in disguise because my due date was July 13th with mm-hmm. the miss, the baby that I lost, but, um, I found out I was pregnant in May. So oh. after the miscarriage, um, so a few months later and it was Colton. So if I mm-hmm. hadn't had the miscarriage, I wouldn't have Colton. Right. You know? So, cause it, yeah. there's no, you know, mm-hmm. so like, thankful for that. And I know that doesn't happen with, I mean, some people, they get pregnant right away and others just don't. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know. Did you feel different? Like, so, okay. So you had Blaine, then you had the miscarriage, then you got pregnant with Colton while you were pregnant with him. Were you freaked out? Oh yeah. I was really scared. Every little thing. I was like, I can't do this. I can't. Cause I just didn't want to go through that again. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So was there ever a point that you reached in the pregnancy where you were like, okay, I feel like I can trust this. Or do you feel like the anxiety kind of like stayed with you the whole way through? I, I think after we found out Colton was a boy around 20 weeks, I think I was like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Not walking. Totally. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Did you feel like walking through that impacted your faith in any way, either positively or negatively? Um, I don't know. For me at the beginning, I was just like, I was mad at God. Like I was pissed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I think looking back on it, I just learned like everything in his timing, even if it seems like you've hit rock bottom, because Mm -hmm. like I said, I wouldn't have Colton if I hadn't had that miscarriage, you Mm -hmm. know, because just the due date for the baby would have been. Yeah. I found out with Colton several, like a couple months before. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's just his timing and I'm so happy with my two healthy, beautiful boys now. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. Lisa, thank you so much for just sharing that with us. I know that that's not easy. Obviously it's like an emotional thing for sure. All right, Amy tossing it to you. Tell us kind of your journey, your story. So basically Matt and I probably, we, we got married in 2009 and like in 2012, we were like, okay, we've been married a few years. Like we want to start having kids. And we had some friends that were getting pregnant and things like that. And so we were just kind of excited to start trying. And like, it's, it's so crazy because like, I had a lot of, I felt like a lot of pressure on me from like my family to like start having kids because Mm -hmm. I'm the second youngest of a lot of kids <laughs> and there's like a hundred of you there's so many of us <clears throat> and like I remember I distinctly remember having this conversation with my sister-in-law Misty who is married to one of my older brothers and she's like Amy isn't it crazy that you're like 27 or you know something like that you know and I mean when I was 27 I had a six and a four-year-old Whoa. and I'm like oh like yeah um, and so I just kind of felt like I'm like totally behind the game. My sister, she Mm -hmm. had kids like when she was 21 and then like continued to have four children with Mm -hmm. no issues whatsoever. And like my mom had seven of us. And so there was just like, I kind of felt like, dude, my body's made for this, you know, like Mm -hmm. I feel like this is going to be so wonderful and it's going to be this great thing. So, I mean, Matt and I just kind of started trying, well, like a year went by, but I had like very uh, irregular periods my entire mm-hmm. life. And um, so like after probably about a year and a half of like trying, mm-hmm. um, my mother-in-law was like, you know, you might consider seeing like a doctor about it just because you, you want to make sure that there's nothing going on. Mm-hmm. And so like, I went and saw a doctor about it and um, basically like I had polycystic ovarian syndrome, like it was kind of borderline. It wasn't like mm-hmm. I was full blown polycystic ovarian syndrome, but, mm-hmm. um, the doctor put me on medications for it. And he gave me this chart to track my temperature mm-hmm. and like to see when I was ovulating and stuff like that. So I did this like for about, I think four months or something like that mm-hmm. with him. And he was ultimately like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, you, and and meanwhile, Matt got tested and things like that. Mm -hmm. He's like, you should see a specialist. So like we went and saw a specialist and well, actually what ended up happening with the specialist was really frustrating too, because insurance issues and things like that, like it was like, they kept pushing us back, pushing us back, Mm. back because like my insurance wouldn't approve the appointment and things like that. So whatever we tried for like probably like two, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And then like, I got pregnant and I, we were just like, I don't know why we had gone on a missions trip to like Guatemala, Mm -hmm. like the beginning of the summer of, of the summer of 2014. And it was like, 
we got back and I just like, I was super emotional on the trip. Like, mm. I mean, I felt like I was a crazy person, mm. like <laughs> where you're just like crying all the time or angry or just whatever it was. I was just like, I got back and I was like, what is wrong with me? Mm. And anyways, so like I ended up taking like a pregnancy test, like on father's day and it was positive. And I was like, Oh, oh my gosh. Like, Oh my gosh. It was like two days after we got back from Guatemala. Yeah. And Matt and I were just like over the moon. His parents were coming over that day. So we like shared with his parents that uh-huh. like we were pregnant and they were like, so excited. Like yeah. we were all just like, Oh my gosh, like we can't believe this. And then like, I was leaving for Arizona, like the very next day mm-hmm. to see my family for like a week or a week and a half or something like that. So I go to Arizona. I share with my whole family that we are like pregnant. It's like, everybody's like, Amy's might be pregnant, you yeah. know, like youngest girl in the family. And everyone's yeah. just like, Oh my gosh, it's finally happening. You know? Yeah. And like, it was so fun and so exciting. And just like the most exciting news to share with people that mm-hmm. you're pregnant, you know, after trying for what felt like forever, like two and a half years, you know? And, um, anyway, so then basically like my last day there, I started kind of spotting a little bit, like when we went to this restaurant with my family mm-hmm. for like my brother's birthday. And, um, and I remember having this feeling of panic, like, whoa, 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 whoa like mm-hmm. what happened? Like what's going on? Like mm-hmm. what's happening? You know? Cause I had called my doctor when we found out that I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could have gone, or I was thinking maybe I'll go in before I leave for Arizona. And they basically were like, well, when was your last period? I was like, I have no idea because mm-hmm. I have like really irregular periods. And they're like, well, it's not going to hurt. Like just go to Arizona and come back. Like, mm-hmm. and then we'll do the ultrasound then, you know? And so I like literally on the plane ride home, like, okay, sorry. So I had that spotting incident, like mm-hmm. at the restaurant with my family and was like, crying and everyone's like Amy like it could be nothing like yeah like just like you know let's just be hopeful and we'll all be praying and you know like you know whatever so I leave the next day and everyone's kind of a little just like edgy about it and I am like trying not to be like Mm -hmm. a complete wreck like I but I was like I was just like it it sucked. And I actually had like an interview for this online school, like the next day when I was flying home. So I'm flying home and I'm like cramping really bad on the plane. Um, my, there was a miscommunication somehow with like what day I was supposed to be getting picked up from my friend, Kara. Matt was like on a fishing trip with some friends, (laughs) like out in the middle of nowhere. So we had no like cell phone reception, and so like my friend Kara was like late picking me up. Oh. So like she got there and then like, I mean, she, I think I called her last minute and she just sped up to Denver. What was I saying? So Kara picks me up. Like I'm super stressed about this interview. I'm trying not to freak out about this baby. Mm-hmm. And like, I get to the inner, I like email the principal. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be a few minutes late. Like my ride didn't come to pick me up from the airport. And I had to f- find another friend to come get me. And so like, I get there with just like, I mean, I'm like 15 minutes late, maybe to the interview, which yeah, like considering the circumstances is not horrible. Yeah. But, no, you know, so oh. I get there, I get to the interview and <clears throat> they're like asking me questions. My friend, Melissa actually like 
oh no, no, no. I, they're just asking me questions. And I, they were like, I don't even know what they asked me. I haven't yeah. answered. Like, I couldn't tell you anything about the interview other than like the whole time I was just like, I, I, I like, I was miscarrying during the interview. Like oh. I was like cramping like crazy. And just like, it was awful. And then like, I get home and like just sending Matt texts, trying to get a hold of him. He finally like gets somewhere where he has reception. And I remember sitting on the toilet and just like, like sobbing, crying as I'm continuing to like, you know, pass or whatever. Yeah. And like crying to Matt, like I'm like 99% sure that I'm miscarrying right now, you know? And he's like freaking out. He's supposed to be on a strip for like a few more days. Oh. And like he ended up coming home like I think very early the very next morning because mm-hmm. it was like already eight o'clock at night by the time you mm-hmm. know he it like they couldn't leave that night. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So yeah. and like he called his mom and his mom came over and like sat with me and cried with me. Oh. And, like, sat with and so that is I mean, that story is awful i mean the fact that you found out that you were pregnant on father's day must have felt like this is like a perfect conclusion to our fertility struggle right like we've been trying to get pregnant for two and a half years like i have pcos like charting and then it's like father's day you find out you're pregnant like it just felt like this is like God arranged this so perfectly. And then it's like, you go to Arizona, you share with your family. And then like the worst possible scenario, like you're literally on an airplane, like miscarrying, you get back, you're late for an interview, have to force yourself through an interview while you're like bleeding and cramping you go home, your husband is, has no cell phone service and is not home. Like <laughs> this is like a hard, I mean, it's an awful story. And I, so, I mean, exactly. how did you feel like in that moment, like spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking, like what was going through your head? I don't really remember. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously I was like, devastated yeah I don't remember where I was at like spiritually Mm -hmm. or like I just I just remember being devastated and like I I couldn't believe it do you know yeah Mm -hmm. just for real and then like having to like call my brothers and sisters and my mom Mm -hmm. and tell them Mm -hmm. was like you know, you just like relive it, but every of time course. you like, know somebody yeah. here, it's like, oh yeah, I miscarried. Mm. And then like they cry, then you cry, and it's just like awful. So I don't know. Like uh. I I want to say, I want to say, like, oh yeah, like I I really felt like <laughs> I trusted God and knew that he had better timing and stuff like that. Yeah. But I was like, that was not the case. I no. was just like how could you do this to me? Like, Absolutely. I think that that's super normal. Honestly, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't know. Everyone reacts differently to things, but I think that that's probably a very normal reaction, right? Like that story, like everything that you went through, I think that that would be really, really normal to like question God and wonder, you know, just kind of what his purpose was and all of that. So 
kind of the same question I asked Lisa. Did you and Matt react like similarly to the news? Did you feel like your grief journey was different than his? I think Matt was like really, really, really sad. Mm. But like Lisa said, I think men in general deal with it like a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And because like for me, like Lisa, I don't remember how you said that you like felt yourself, but like for me, I felt like, like a sense of guilt. Like there was like something that I had done wrong, that there was, oh crap, now I'm crying. I'm crying. <laughs> there was something wrong with me or that like, yeah. I wasn't like, there was something wrong. Like what had I done? Ah, oh, this sounds so silly, right? Okay. Not but, at like, all. Had I done something wrong in my past that God was like punishing me for oh. like, was there something wrong with me physically that like mm-hmm. now, like my husband and I have, can't have kids together. Like mm. there are all these like weird, like thoughts about, um, just like past and my past and things that I had done decisions I had made in my past, like, has that affected me being able to get pregnant? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know? And so, I like, I think that I internalized a lot and I blamed myself a lot and I just had a lot of guilt about it. Yeah. And like Matt just tried to like love me and support me through it. And like, yes, he was so sad, but it was a very different like experience. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Oh, I just hate that you went through that. All right. So take us further down the story. All right. So that happened. So like what was really hard about that time, <laughs> Lisa, don't feel guilty about this. I was going to bring it up. <laughs> I felt horrible like, during that time. But like, as you guys, I mean, I remember, I think I rode to Monko with you that night, Caitlin. Yeah. Day, like, or like shortly after I had gotten home and yeah. like, I, I can't remember. Lisa stopped no. by my house or something. This is what happened. And I texted what? I was on a trip and you texted me and you said, I'm, I need to talk to you when you get back. And I was like, well, tell me now. And this trip was in June. And I had just found out I was pregnant with Colton in May. So I was pregnant on the trip. And I didn't tell Amy yet that I was pregnant because we were so sad. We weren't going to see each other for like three months right that summer. (laughs) How am I going to do this? I'm not going to see Amy for three weeks. And I was like, I wonder what her news is. I was like, I can't wait to tell her my news, but hers doesn't sound good. I came back and, um, she told me, I remember I was on the phone with her in the backyard. I stopped by her house and she told me she had miscarried and I didn't tell her I was pregnant. And I was yeah. like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I kept it from her for a few days because mm. I didn't know I was trying to help her through her miscarriage. Of like, course. Listening, and I felt so guilty. I was mm-hmm. coming home and crying at night because we would hang out Yeah. I, like, she was babysitting Kara's kids and I went to her house and took like this little mug and like, she's crying. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, how can I be pregnant? And my best friend's not, you know, I was like, Oh, so then we were going to Bunko. You were in my car. Do you remember this? No. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. In my car, we were turning. I remember what house we were in front of. And I said, Amy, I have to tell you something. You're going to be mad at me. Oh, like you're pregnant. And I just started sobbing and she started sobbing. I was oh. like, sorry. Oh my gosh. It was like I felt guilty being pregnant. Mm-hmm. I felt horrible that I was pregnant. Ugh. Oh my gosh. I mean, that 
Okay, we need to go back to that because that, that's a huge topic that I want to get to at the end of this story. So, all right, Amy, go on with your story and then we're going to circle back. And then we'll circle back. Um, but yeah, so like, <laughs> ultimately it was awful. I ended up leaving Centennial, which was like a really, really, really hard choice for me. But like, mm. didn't you already get that job up at BRE? I think maybe. I think you already had the job. And so then yeah. I was kind of like, yes. okay. And the principal there had been like, you can teach any grade you want. I will mm -hmm. match your salary. And when you get pregnant eventually, which she didn't know that I had miscarried. Mm -hmm. She was like, when you get pregnant eventually, you can um, like work half time. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, how yeah, yeah. I turn this down. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Plus like when I went and saw the school, it was like, paradise in a lot oh, of so nice oh it's like the nicest school building in harrison district too you know yeah, because yeah. while harrison was wonderful in a lot of ways like buffalo ridge was like you can like do these fun units and it yeah, was like yeah. very fluffy and fun and yes. like uh, just free compared to the rigid mm -hmm. like structure in harrison and kind of the like teaching to the test type of you know, mm -hmm. way of doing things. So, um, we went up there and like Caitlin, I mean, you know, you saw me every Caitlin and I, we like would go into each other's classroom almost every day. Some, most of the days, most like multiple days mm -hmm. or multiple times each day. And like, I mean, I cried every single morning, you know, mm -hmm. like every day on the way to school, I cried talking to my mom about it. And then mm -hmm. like when Caitlin would come in or I'd go see her in her classroom mm -hmm. and be like, how are you doing today? And I'm like, uh, like just crying. Like yeah. I was like definitely depressed. Like I was yeah. very, I just was in a really dark place. And then mm -hmm. it was really hard when people would be like, <clears throat> Hey, don't worry about it. Like, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. Now. And I'd be like, I mean, in some ways, I guess that kind of gave me some hope, but like, yeah. and after months and months and months of not getting pregnant again, mm -hmm. then I was like, well, like, can I, like, yeah. what the yeah. hell's going on? You know, right. like, it was really terrible. It just sucked. Yeah. And like, when I kept hearing stories of like, well, I, and Lisa, this is not geared towards you or like <laughs> towards you or anything, but like when people are like, I can't tell you how many people told me, oh, my niece or my sister oh. or whoever, like they had a miscarriage and then got pregnant one month later or three months later or mm. however many months later. And they have the most beautiful baby boy now. Mm. And so like month yeah. after month would come. Yeah. Month after month, I would get my period. Mm -hmm. And I like totally wrecked mm. every time. Like, and I felt like it was like more devastating every single time because mm -hmm. I'm like, well, all right, I'm already at month two. Well, mm -hmm. crap. All right, yeah. now I'm at month three. Oh crap! I think the last story I heard was at month five. Well, yeah, month five, and I still haven't gotten my period. Like, or I still haven't gotten pregnant. I got my yeah. period instead, you know. And I was just like, Ugh. and so like again, like I just kind of like felt like there's something wrong with me. And meanwhile, my husband had been tested now two times mm. for like him, yeah, his issue or if he had any issues. And like the second time it came back that he had like low sperm count, low motility. And we were like, why is that? And this was probably like 
January of 2015, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so then we kind of looked into that further and he was on this medication that causes low sperm count and low motility. Ugh. And we were like, what? Like he's been on this medication for the last four years, like the oh. entire time that we've been trying. How did this not get discovered mm-hmm. the first time that he got tested right away? Like when we first like got him tested, when I went to see the doctor that I saw right. you know, and it was like, they didn't ask if he was on medications or if they did, they didn't tell him, Hey, this medication causes this or right. anything like that. It was just kind of like, and so ultimately we got him off that medication and, um, I, well, actually in the meantime, I started training for a fitness competition. Mm-hmm. So like, just to get my mind off of it, like I was yeah. like, I need to focus. <laughs> I just need to like, stop thinking about not being pregnant. Right. I'm going to like pour all of my extra energy and time and money into like making sure that I'm healthy. And so mm-hmm. like I started working out a lot. I started eating super healthy and was like training for a fitness competition. And it was like during that time that we actually, so it must've been a little bit later, like probably April or May. Mm-hmm. And then what we found out that summer is that like this is such a weird conversation. I'm sorry, but like sperms, it takes like 120 days for like sperm. It's like their gestational period, I guess. Oh my, so getting off the medicine, he had to wait like a long time. Yes. Like a hundred oh. days until like his like new sperm was like ready. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which put, put us to like a week after my competition date. So okay. then like I did the competition in October and we ended up getting pregnant. Like we found out that we were pregnant December 31st, the day the three of us got together. And yes, I remember that. We all <laughs> got together because at that point I was living back in New Jersey. So Scott yeah. and I had moved away from Colorado. We all got together on New Year's Eve for breakfast in Castle Rock and you yep. and Matt were being weird. Someone <laughs> said something. Laughing and- they were like yeah. giggling. And then Scott said something at one point, or like Scott noticed that Matt said something like when we were trying, now that we're trying, something like that. And when we left, Scott was like, Matt said when we were trying. And I was like, they are trying. Yes. And he was like, no, I know. But I think that maybe she's pregnant. And I was like, no, she would have told us. <laughs> but you were. You. <laughs> <laughs> so then and you were then, pregnant and then I was pregnant yeah and then nine months later you had your beautiful son and mm-hmm. then you had another boy and now you have a girl yes okay but hang on this is the craziest part because remember you got pregnant obviously like Michael's birthday is 9-9 Jace's birthday is 10-10 yes and like I remember you calling me to tell me that you're pregnant with Jace and it was like so exciting. Like, yeah. And then I remember you telling me like, ah, I'm like choking up. I remember <laughs> you telling me like, Amy, I'm just so thankful that you got pregnant first because like, oh. obviously that would have been like, oh. I would have been so happy for you. Just like I was happy for Lisa. Like I didn't want Lisa to feel bad that she was pregnant and I wasn't like, I would never want anyone to feel guilty or bad for being pregnant, but it is like painful when like, people of around course. here to like, oh, yeah. you know absolutely like, wow 
Oh no, a hundred percent. Like I remember telling Scott, like when we first started trying, like I can't call like Amy, like if I'm pregnant this month, I can't just like call Amy and be like, Hey, I'm pregnant. Like while she's been going through torture for five years, you know what I mean? Like, and so that's, so I want to get to that now. So basically what I want to ask the two of you is like, so someone like me, honestly, like I, thank God, I haven't had fertility struggles. Like I haven't, thank God, experienced a miscarriage, right? But I have a lot of friends who have, you guys, other friends, you know what I mean? That have either had trouble getting pregnant or gone through miscarriages. And someone like me, I feel like I don't know what to say or like, am I going to say something that's going to offend them, right? Or like now that I have kids, if I'm around one of my friends that I know is maybe having trouble getting pregnant, should I not talk about my kids? Should I like, you know what I mean? Like all of these things. So like, what would be kind of your advice now that you all are like past that stage in your life? You know what I mean? Now you have like your children with your husband and you're both like likely done building your families. You know what I mean? Like you're like, okay, like that's now in my past. Caitlin, didn't Lisa tell you she wants a girl now? Oh my God. So are you joking? I, that just made my day. For starters, I'll throw myself under the bus here. Even though I had a miscarriage, Amy and I were in Bible study together. And I remember when I was super pregnant, like seven, eight months pregnant, I am not a very happy pregnant person. So instead of being thankful, like, oh, I'm pregnant. I, it was kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Like the miscarriage had happened like several months ago and like mm-hmm. Amy was doing her fitness or had finished her fitness thing or, mm-hmm. or no, you were about to start trading for it. Um, and here I am complaining about being pregnant. Oh. Even though I wanted to be pregnant. I mean, I'll just, I'll just say it. I was just a horrible pregnant person. I was like, <laughs> my feet hurt. Like my pants don't button instead of in my mind. And I had gone through a miscarriage and I still right. did that. Yeah. All right. I should have been like, like, why am I complaining about this? I wanted this, you know, just, um, yeah. Well, that's a really good point to bring up because I feel like it shows both sides, right? Like where it's like, okay, first of all, grace for pregnant people, because it's really hard to be pregnant. So that's number one, like all the grace for people that are pregnant and like, it's rough, but a good reminder, right? Like when you are pregnant, if you are blessed to be pregnant, like being careful, you know, like, who you complain about it in front of, you know what I mean? Like, that's a good tip. I'm I'm just kind of a pessimistic person. (laughs) 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 All the time. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I did that. Like, Oh, it just so sweet. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was just, you know, living in the present. I wasn't, of course I'm like, Oh, now I am pregnant. And I, yeah, like, I can't believe I wasn't more, um, just like loving toward her and what she was going through. I just wasn't, it was like out of sight. You just weren't thinking about it. Of course, you yep. weren't being malicious. So what are some other like tips or pieces of advice that you have for people, you know, who are not having any fertility issues, but are around people who are like, what are things that like you really wish people wouldn't have said? You know what I mean? Like, Amy, like you said, like sometimes it was hard when people are like, don't worry, like at least you can get pregnant. And it's like, that's a big thanks. One. I know you're trying to help, but like, that doesn't actually really help because the fact of the matter is like I lost that baby and now I also can't get pregnant again. So that's not actually helping. Like what are other things that it's like, make sure you don't say this to someone. Lisa, you got anything? 
I mean, just to piggyback off of that, I think that was a big one for me. At least you can get pregnant. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. how do you know I can get pregnant and take the baby to full term? Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think, Amy. Yeah. The hardest thing for me was like, you know, like just, I know, I don't know really what like to say other mm-hmm. than like, I'm so sorry. Like that mm-hmm. really sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know? Kind of like, I mean, I hate to say this, like, well, it is like someone did die. Right. But like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. kind of like when someone that you love dies, there's mm-hmm. really nothing that like anyone can say that makes you feel better because yeah. anything really sounds trite. Like, yeah. Oh, God's timing. Well, yeah, but it doesn't really make the pain go away from me. Yes. And it makes me feel like you're kind of judging me that I'm sad about it. Yes. <laughs> Let me freaking be sad about it. Like, yes. And just sit there and let me cry or let me tell you how bad it sucks or yeah. let me sit there and watch a freaking movie with you and take my mind off of it for a hot little minute. Like, yeah, not every minute needs to be talked about with it too. So I don't know. There's that. <clears throat> that is so good. I think that's good for anybody that's going through any kind of grief. I think that it's frustrating when you're going through some kind of grieving situation and it's especially if it's very fresh for someone to come and be like, this is the answer or like God's timing or like, honestly, sometimes it's even hard if someone's like, just remember God's in control. You're like, well, that actually makes me feel worse because you reminding me that God's in control and that I'm still stuck in this situation that I don't want to be stuck in makes me mad at him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of like, I really just want someone to be here and to say, I am so sorry that you are going through this Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to pray for you and be here for you in any way that you need me. Like, you tell me something I can do for you and I'll do it, you know? I think that's really good advice. And the hard part is that like, and, and I feel like, I feel kind of rude saying that because I know that everyone's intentions are good, right? Of like course. When they're trying, they're just trying to comfort you. They're trying mm-hmm. to give you hope. They're trying yeah. to remind you of what you already know that God is in control. Mm-hmm. But like in those times, that's like sometimes not what you need to hear. It's like you just need to wallow in it and like, their prayers are most helpful. Them just telling you, I'm so sorry that this happened. Like I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Like that's honestly the best thing. And like, I was going to like suggest like how Lisa brought up, you know, it's like when I finally got pregnant with Michael, Mm -hmm. I was so conscious Mm. and very cognizant to never well I shouldn't say never I tried really hard to not complain Mm -hmm. to anybody ever about being pregnant like and even if it was uncomfortable like my legs swelled so crazy big with Michael and it was Mm -hmm. like hard to walk and I got like the worst varicose veins with Boston Mm. but like the whole time I'd be like oh my veins but I'm so excited for yeah baby like I'm so thankful I'm so Mm -hmm. like overjoyed for this Mm -hmm. you know so I don't know that was just one thing like while I was pregnant like that I tried really hard to not complain and to be thankful no matter what because actually like I have a friend Tia like right down the street she had like five or six miscarriages um and then I found out that I was pregnant with Boston Mm -hmm. and it was like 
So then you found yourself in that position that yeah, Lisa had I, been in. Yeah. Tia and I went to go work out together one morning and I was like, I have to tell you something. Like it was like, I felt like I was Lisa telling me like, right. I don't want to tell you, but I want to tell you, but she knew that we were trying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she was so gracious. I mean, she was so gracious, but then they started doing infertility and they have a beautiful little boy named okay. Brooke who is like, you know, four months younger than Boston or something like that, maybe five months younger than Boston. So oh. like, but it was like the same thing, like where it's just like so hard and just trying to be aware that like, mm-hmm. like Lisa said, like everybody's just kind of like a, in a different stage and trying to be like supportive, encouraging and not judgmental of people yeah. who haven't been through that, you know? Yeah, totally. Oh, that's good. That's really good advice. Anything else? Advice, thoughts about that? A question I have for both of you is, did your, you know, fertility journey impact your marriage at all in like a positive or negative way? Lisa? I don't know. It was our first hardship to go through together. Okay. Yeah. You know, so maybe it helped us come closer together. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. That's good. I like that. What about you, Amy? Um, <laughs> Lisa, you sounded like you said you were the pessimist. And now I'm like, eh, <laughs> I think that like initially it like definitely bring brought us closer together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then as time goes on, as I'm feeling yeah. different things and he's not feeling the same things or like we hear a sermon at church or mm-hmm. you know like different things like just trigger you you yeah. know mm-hmm. and like I'd like walk out of a service being like like we need to adopt yeah and I'd be like Amy don't be crazy we're gonna get pregnant you know or yeah like like something like that where then I felt like minimized and like I remember so distinctly when I started training for that competition to get my mind off of it, Mm -hmm. Matt, like, I think somehow at some point came to some realization, like how much I was hurting by it. And he's like, he said something like, um, sometime over the summer or whatever. And he's like, Amy, if we're not pregnant by the end of the year, like, you know, of 2015, he's like, we should definitely look into adoption. I know that's something that's like very important to you, Mm. you know? And it was like, okay. Like I felt like validated and supported in that. Like, Mm -hmm. but there were times I felt like for us, it ebbed and flowed. There were things Mm -hmm. that happened that would like definitely bring us closer together. But then there were things that would happen that would like almost drive a wedge between us where I felt like resentful towards him that I didn't feel like he felt the same way. And he didn't like, like really, I don't know, want to understand or like seek to understand Yeah. how I felt, if that makes sense. Yeah. So for us, it kind of ebbed and flowed. There were times that, yes, it definitely brought us closer. And then there were times that were like just frustrating. <laughs> mm, I can totally understand that. I mean, with any hard thing, right, in marriage, it it's funny because I think it's easy to think about it. Like, oh, if you go through a hard thing, it can either bring you closer or tear you apart. But like the nuance is that some things can do both. 
right? Like, you know what I mean? It's like you go through this hard thing and like there can be aspects of it that bring you closer and things like that, but also really hard things that where, yeah, you feel resentful. And especially with something that's so intense, like trying to get pregnant, you know, it feels, and I can imagine that there must be times where you feel like, is there something broken in this relationship? Like, why can't we just do this thing? Like, why can't we just have a baby? Like all these other people around me seem to be able to do with no issue. You know, and then you hear the story of like the 15 year old, right? Like getting pregnant and you're just like, how, how is that possible? Like, I know, <laughs> like, God. how can this be right? Like that this child who like, isn't trying, has no idea what a cycle even mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, doesn't know what it means to track or whatever. And it's like, here I am taking my temperature every day and counting the days. And it's like, why can't we do this? Like, why can't and we? When you realize there's like a five day oh. window of when you can actually get pregnant. And it's like that 15 year old, like just happened to have sex for the very first time and got pregnant. Yes. <laughs> right. Like, You're like, how can that be? Like mathematically, that is insane. Like that is insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. I mean, you guys, I just, thank you so much. I'm sure like the moment we get off of here, I'm going to be like, oh, there's so many other things that I want to ask. But I just feel like this is really powerful because, you know, I mentioned on another episode, I don't remember who it was with, that I feel like so, so many women are touched by miscarriage or an infertility struggle of some sort, but it's not always talked about, you know? And it's like, you might be friends with someone for years and then they'll be like, oh yeah, like I did actually have a miscarriage, you know, before, blah, blah. And it's interesting that it's like, we don't know these things about each other. We don't talk about it, I think, as freely as we should. And of course, obviously it's personal for everyone. I'm not saying that you should talk about it if you don't want to talk about it, but I think that it's really powerful for women to like hopefully listen to this episode and hear your story and feel I'm sure people are going to feel like a deep connection to the two of you you know and just know that feel comforted that they're not alone right Mm -hmm. that they're not the only one feeling these feelings and um you know just questioning God's purpose feeling annoyed at their husband feeling annoyed at their friends right like dreading going to another baby shower or you know just any or seeing another you know like gender reveal on Facebook with the whole yeah thing you know I'm sure those things are very you know painful so I just thank you guys so much for sharing and for being willing to be just so open so Let's take it just to like a cash note here. We'll just, we'll go out, we'll go out casually. So what is everybody, you guys are into The Bachelor this season, yes? Yes. You're both watching? Uh, are you caught up, please? Um, no, I don't want to watch it anymore. Because Why? Because she cheated and looked ahead. <gasps> you always do that though. You always look at the spoilers, Lisa. <clears throat> I know who the winner is, but oh, oh, I don't want to watch it. I miss Chris Harrison. What happened? I don't even understand. I heard that he was gone. Should we not get into it? Is it controversial? Oh, it's, it's totally controversial. controversial. Oh, then we won't even get into it, but I'm going to Google it the minute this we're done here. Team Chris Harrison. Oh, oh, oh. I can't wait to hear. So I don't know. I'm not watching this season at all. And I know that you keep Marco Poloing me and telling me that I need to catch up. And I know I need to catch up, but I just, I don't know. I fell off the wagon. I really did. I fell off the wagon. Is there good juice this season? Is it good? Dude, it's it's insane, I feel like. Don't, you don't really? Feel like, it's I just weird. They do are mean. They're yeah. mean? Oh, mean. Oh. 
there are some like flat out mean girls like it's nuts like things that you're like adult bullying is this staged like at okay that's what i was just gonna say at this point do you think that people are really going on this show like because they actually think they're gonna find love or are they just going on to become an instagram influencer so they're trying to be like the villain or whatever because they know what's gonna get them like they can be that person that's like if you drink this tea it's gonna like totally help you lose five pounds so like blah 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 like whatever i think like i think some people at least hopefully have like good intentions or genuine intentions but who the heck knows who knows I mean look I was always one at the beginning that was like this is so ridiculous like this whole show was a farce however Sean and Catherine Lowe are the real deal in love three children (laughs) married and that just like makes me believe that there are some people on Can't the like, Bachelor franchise. There's a lot. There are a lot. There's I a lot of successories. Yes. What did you, yeah. Follow them all. And then I buy stuff that they sell. <laughs> See? You're the one buying that tea that makes you lose yes. five pounds. Yes. The brush and, and book. Like, I want to get Colton's book. And there's a whole bunch of books. What's his book? Um, I don't know. I don't know what it's called, but Do- he just wrote a book. I, I have listened to Caitlin Bristow's podcast. I do too. I like <laughs> and I love Nick Vile too. Oh my it. gosh. Who I listen. Oh, it's what? pretty good. I listen okay, and then I was a huge I watched Dancing with the Stars like intensely because of Caitlin Bristow this season. Like I I mean I used to watch it in the past, but then I like took a few seasons off and when I heard she was on, I was like hardcore and spoiler alert to people who don't know she won yay caitlin really i didn't know that she was really good i mean she was a dancer in the past which is a little controversial but whatever i love her i love her too i think think she's funny second you think she should have gotten second yeah i actually just said that to someone too what was his name niall um not neve 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 he was really good but i love her I love her too. I think she, she's just like really cute. Caitlin Bristow, I love you. Caitlin Bristow, if you're listening to this. <laughs> you ever listen to my podcast? Talk me up on your show. All <laughs> of my boys, not to interrupt me at all. So I look over by the door and they're pushing notes under the door. Oh, Dear mom, we have a Girl Scout cookie. Right back, please. Oh, how right cute. R I G H T. That's so cute. I love them. Oh, I love them. I love them. They're so cute. Are you guys reading? Are you readers? Are you reading anything right now? You would not believe this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lisa. Say it. What are you reading? Oh, you guys, I read this book like four times already and I'm rereading it again. It's called Redeeming Love. Have you read it? Oh, I love that book. I love that book. Thank you. It is. I love it. My favorite book. And Aww. I haven't read it. I realized that I haven't read it since like I don't know, before Matt and I were married. No. Aww. Maybe shortly after we got married. Yeah. Like almost twelve years now or twelve oh years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't remember. Okay. Tom I said that. So but like I'm rereading it and I just started Saturday night and I'm like three hundred pages in already. Aww, I, I love getting lost in a book. Can I oh, read it after you're done? Can I borrow it? Huh? Can I borrow it when you're done? Yeah. Lisa, are you reading anything? Uh, I just finished reading 
well, this was in January. Enough about me. It is oh. so good. It's good? Yes. I'm writing it down. It's on Amazon. Enough about me. Okay. Oh, so good. I am reading um shoot. I think it's called Maybe You Should Talk to Somebody. Did you read that? It's 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 a book. It's a memoir. So the author is a therapist. And it's a lot about her clients that she's worked with, but also her journey in therapy as a therapist. It's very wow. good. I'm like loving it. I'm really, it's really good. Um, so that's fun. Oh. But, you know. And I have to say, what skincare products do you use? Oh, why? On your face. Oh, I have a blemish right here. Stop. Oh, no. It's just because I have this ring light. Scott bought this ring light. It's like shining on me. That's like making me look way better than I actually look. But I do use Arbonne products. Shout out to Kim and Ty, my sister-in-laws, who hooked me up with Arbonne products. That is what I use. Um, I wanted to just give one quick update to the world because a lot of people are actually texting me. I'm not lying when I say this. On the last episode, I talked about – um, how I was ordering these Lululemon knockoff leggings and I would update the world on how they were. And they're called Colorful Koala on Amazon. They are $25 and they are fantastic. What? I just want to report that. So basically, here is the situation. They're like a thick legging. So it's not like the type of legging that it's like you would like fall asleep in or something. It's like a workout, like thick legging. It holds you in, which is good. Like – there's not like jiggle situations like they go up really high so they hold you in they're tight nice there's little pockets on the side for your cell phone which is fantastic and they're seven eighths length which I like because it just shows like a little bit of ankle and like I'm short so like that works nicely for me you know what I mean they have a lot of like crazy like crazy patterns and colors but like they also just have like plain black or gray or whatever. What's it called? Something koala? Colorful koala. That is it. Lisa is showing us on her phone. Ducks. Oh my gosh. And they're really good. Like I screaming endorsement and no, they are not paying me to say this. I really, really like them. So everyone should get them. And I, that's all I had to say about that. Yeah. And so sizing, sizing wise, like. Okay. So I will say that. In Lululemon, I I don't know. I think I like have a six or something like that. And so then in the colorful koalas, I ordered a medium and a small. And honestly, it's kind of like what you like better. You know what I mean? Like it's like, do you like them a little looser or are you wanting them really tight? Like are you working out intensely, like running and you need these things to like super stay in place? Then go smaller. But if you're like, I kind of just want them like to go to the grocery store then like maybe you would like go up a little. You know what I mean? They have yeah, patterned yeah. ones too. What did you say? They have patterned ones. Oh yeah, they have crazy patterns. And, and I mean. If I work out in them because after kids. Oh. Oh my gosh. My life group and I had a whole conversation <laughs> about that too. It's just like so many horrible things. But yes, I mean. <laughs> we love it. We love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, so that's a nice plug for colorful koala everyone go and order them and then i'm gonna read that book enough about enough about me oh my gosh such a good quick christian read so encouraging and powerful oh i love that okay my book suggestion was not a christian book so now i feel embarrassed because you were both you both suggested christian books the first chapter is the six 
statistics. Okay, that's okay. It's, and then after that, it's so good. All right. Not really statistics. Caitlin, don't be embarrassed and silly. I'm like, you, uh, you guys are like reading spiritual books. I'm not. That's okay. It's totally it's like fine. The first book I've picked up since like the Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I'm like reading with my second graders or something. Oh, no, I love it. This is the first book I picked up in like since last summer, I think. So. It feels good to like, I, I had took a really, really long hiatus from reading like fiction, you know? And yeah. just because like with teaching and kids, it's like you felt like you were only reading those books. And I finally like was like, no, I'm going to read like books for me. Mm -hmm. It's it's like coming home again, right? Yeah. Like it's so nice to just sit down with a nice novel and just really mm -hmm. get into it. I just love it. All right, ladies, I love you so much. Thank you so much for your vulnerability, honesty, transparency, all of those fancy words. I just love you guys. You are amazing. I think that you're going to touch a lot of people and we are just so thankful. We love you. Thanks for having us, Kate. We love you. We love you. Love you both. Love you. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to like and subscribe right now before you go. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for our next episode. You can catch So What Else anywhere you get your podcasts or at CaitlinElliott.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Artwork by Caroline Chicola and editing and everything else by Scott Elliott. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.